If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be reading for verses 1 through 18. We're going to have a title tonight, Keep It Real. And if you've been following me on social media, I've been posting some videos my son produced for me and put out there some really good uh, videos about tonight's teaching. And I'm reading from the New King James, Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 18. Uh, Take heed that you do not your charitable deeds, just use your Bible or if you're electronic device or whatever. Take heed that you do not your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That your charitable deed may be done in secret, may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have the reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Verse 7, And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. In this manner, pray, therefore, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with the sad countenance. For they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have the reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Can you say amen to the word of the Lord? Amen. In 1997, my wife and I, traveled to uh, Bulgaria. We were asked to come to teach at a Bible college in Sofia, Bulgaria. Uh, Communism had just fallen. Um, Democracy was a new thing in that country, uh, probably in its entire history, uh, prior to the communist takeover at the end of World War II, probably prior to the times before that. Democracy was a new thing. The country was literally in shambles. There were, I remember going there when we were coming in from the airport um, landing, uh, there was just like, looked like these, you know how we have retention ponds? They looked like they had retention pro- ponds full of like antifreeze. It was just green. I don't know what it was in it, in it. And we landed on the tarmac. And when you land at that time in Bulgaria, when the, the airplane landed, everybody would stand up and clap <laughs> that they made it. <laughs> That's how bad their airlines were. <laughs> we made it. 
So we landed, and we go into the uh, Sofia International uh, Airport, and it looked like, have any of you ever, y'all remember the, the uh, Trailways bus stations? Yeah. You remember traveling by the bus station? And this looked like an old Trailways bus station, all dirty, and I had a video recorder. I, I found it tonight. It was an old VHS recorder with the little mini tapes, and I'm going this. And so they're so, everything is so new. So they can always tell Americans when they come. So I've got this camera. Everybody's waving in my camera. They think I'm like with CNN or something. They're everywhere we went. So we were there, and there was weeds high. There were dogs running all over the place. And um, we, I went outside of the airport, and I looked down the street, and there was a street light on here. Then there was like a street light on half a mile or so, and then one way on. They didn't have money to run electricity. It was really in bad shape. And the, uh, at this time, the doors for the gospel were opened in the first time in over 50 years. You could literally go into Bulgaria and you could preach the gospel of Jesus Christ without fear of being arrested and put into prison. I mean, because that's the church there met underground. A lot of great stories that we could tell you about that. Uh, some of the people that we met, Bishop Linkoff with the, uh, the Church of God of Bulgaria, uh, some of the stories that he shared under, when he was uh, pastoring in secret during that time. But when we went to Bulgaria, we went to the, the markets. And you know, when you go into a lot of different countries, there are markets where people come and they gather, they've got goods. If you've ever been on a cruise ship, you've been to Cozumel or uh, Playa del Carmen and these other places, and they've got the, 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 uh, the walk you have to do, and there's markets there, and there's little vendors trying to get you in to buy their stuff. And we went walking down the street here in the market with my video camera, everybody waving at me. And we're looking around, and there are CDs everywhere. Uh, this is because America is just, anything American just blew up. I mean, they just went gaga over it. Everybody was going to McDonald's. Everybody was going to Pizza Hut. Everybody was going to Dunkin' Donuts, Kentucky Fried Chicken. While we were there, that's where the pastor took us because it was a big deal for them to go to those places. So while we're going through this market, <coughs> there's all these CDs from American artists and European artists. There's all this music there. There's all these sneakers, Adidas and Nike and all these different sneakers. And there's all these designer clothes. There's Gucci bags. There's coach bags. And then I come to find out this stuff is pirated. It's not real stuff. It's knockoff stuff. It's knockoff. Now, if you buy a knockoff, knowing it's a knockoff, that's one thing. You know, because we, we, we would go to, we used to go to Mexico quite a bit on cruises. We stopped in Cozumel, and there's these guys there that would sell you a Rolex. You want a Rolex? It's a knockoff Rolex, okay? It's a Rolex, $400. We can sell you this Rolex for $400. No, no, man, that's too, that's too much. And this, this is the thing, and when you go to Mexico, it's like a game, okay? And they are very good at it. Because they're going to bargain with you. Okay, okay, $40, okay, 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 okay. Uh, we'll get it down to three seventy-five. And so you're going this bartering thing, and then after a while, you're down to 40 bucks. 40 bucks, And you can take home this knockoff Rolex. Looks just like a Rolex, says Rolex on it, but it's a fake. You can tell it's a fake because the, the hands don't move slowly. They click. And it's really, really light. A Rolex is heavy. It's like some, you could use it as a weapon. It's that heavy. 
And so there, it's, these are knockoffs. But if you buy that knowing it's a knockoff, you can go, like, oh, man, you got a Rolex. Oh, it's not real. But it looks real, doesn't it? And my wife and I, we used to go to the straw market in the Bahamas, and she would buy the, the, uh, the knockoff purses. And you can't tell the difference. So that's one thing. But if you buy something believing it's the right thing, then you find out it's, not, it's a knockoff. That's something different. All right. They found paintings that people have bought. They thought they were the real thing, and they pay this exorbitant amount of money. And the next thing they know, this is a forgery. People don't like being taken advantage of. The purpose of a knockoff is to deceive you. It's to make you think it's the genuine article. It'll look a lot like it. It'll pass for it. But there are some things that give it away that it is not real. And a person may want to buy a knockoff Rolex or Gucci bag or even a Funko Pops. When Denny was here, Denny Moore, um, he got me into looking at Funko. You know what Funko Pops are? Yeah. Anybody? Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. These little, these little plastic vinyl uh, characters, and they got these little oversized heads. And you get them in a box, and they usually run about 10 bucks. Okay? So there's certain ones that you can buy. And uh, on the market now, they're 8 or $9. But if they, they're a limited edition or they quit making them, those things skyrocket in price. So I'm always looking for these little, these little Funko Pops, trying to find them. And there was one particular Funko that I was looking for. Um, you remember, uh, did any of you see, what was the movie with, um, um, uh, what was it, the, 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 kind of based on the Day of the Dead, not Coco, but the one before that. What's that? No, no, no. This, uh, Huh? It was an animated movie, and there was a character in there called La Muerta. And if you go on Google and you look up her Funko Pop, this thing is 400 bucks because you can't get it anywhere. But I found one. I wasn't looking. So I'm looking for that one. I'm always looking for a knockoff of that. And I'll knock off La Muerta. <laughs> can't find it. But I did find a knockoff of another one, and it came from China, and I only paid like six bucks. And it's got the same number. Probably came out of the same factory as the other one. And so it's, I got it sitting up on my shelf. It looks real, but it's, it's not. But you can't tell. But nobody, some people like buying those for that particular reason. But nobody likes a knockoff Christian. Nobody likes a knockoff Christian. And I think today in this era that we live in, it because of some of the negative things that have happened in churches, it has affected all of us. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I, the other night, uh, there's, a, there's a, a group that I follow on social media called spiritualabuse.org. We went on there. We found, uh, I saw something about a friend of mine whose son was a music director at a church, uh, had been uh, involved with a teenage girl there, um, and it was a really bad situation. Now he's labeled as a, a sex offender, all these things happening. And this, isn't, this is not, this is common now. It's always, you turn on the news, you're always hearing something like that. There's a pastor that up in uh, Minnesota somewhere uh, got into a land deal and sold the church's property, and then he sent a message out to the church. I think the Lord's telling us we should all meet in houses now. All right, because he pocketed the money from selling the church property. So these are the type of things that are going on that we have to try to live that down. 
because there's knockoffs out there. It's always been that way. There's always going to be people that pretend to be something other than what they are. And maybe we'll get into a little bit more of that later about being the genuine article. But tonight we want to focus on three areas of Christian piety that's very important for us to be uh, genuine about. Because this is the time that this is the time that the church really needs to start gathering up its strength internally, making ourselves stronger, not looking to the ballot box, not looking to Washington to solve our problems because they're not going to solve it. It doesn't matter who's running in the election. God has a plan, and his plan is to use his church, not to use senators, not to use governors, not to use presidents, that the church is to be the source of influence in the world. And it's up to us to be what we're supposed to be and, tr and quit trying to legislate what God wants in this society. If we live up to what we are. I mean, if you want to look at oppressive regimes, Paul and the apostles in the, day, in the early church in the first century, they lived under an, under an extremely uh, um, suppressive government. The Romans were very brutal with the way they treated their citizens, their people. They were very brutal. There was no democracy. There was no voice. There was no protest. There, it was a terrible place to, to uh, if you were at political odds, it was a terrible place to be. But the church thrived in that kind of environment because the church realized Caesar's not our God. Caesar's not our ruler. We don't answer to this kingdom. We answer to God's kingdom. And that made the difference. So, we want to look in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus addressed false piety, intend, uh, people pretending to be spiritual when one really wasn't. They were doing the right things. They were praying. They were giving. They were fasting. They were doing the right things, but they were doing them for the wrong motive. Doing them for the wrong reason, because motive does matter. Motive does matter. How many of you ever seen, you know, when, I, when I thought of this tonight, <clears throat> I've been thinking about this, this message all week and, you know, keep it real, keep it real, keep it real. And uh, how many of you remember that song from the 70s, To Be Real? Got to be real? To be real. <laughs> it's been going through my head all week long. <laughs> but when I thought about the motive matters, I, I looked at this word. This, ch this chapter starts off with the word Take heed, or the phrase take heed, which is translated from a Greek word, proseko, uh, pros meaning to be cautious, to beware. It's used 11 times in the New Testament and all in the Gospels, to be cautious. And the first image that came to my mind when I thought of that, beware, to be cautious. You ever seen the mop bucket? Cuisado, piso mojado. Look out, the floor's wet. <laughs> Pay attention. Be attentive. The similar word for beware is found also in Ephesians 5.15. Paul wrote, see that you walk circumspectly and able to discern, to perceive. The way that Paul used this word in Ephesians 5.15 is kind of like how one would walk down a pathway that was lined with thorny bushes on each side. You wanted to make sure that you walked correctly, that you did it right, so that you didn't get caught by any of the thorns 
that were on the, the briars or the, the, the thorns on the way down the pathway. It's like playing chess, calculating your actions. Think about what you are doing. Jesus starts off this chapter in Matthew chapter 6, and we're just kind of going to do, do an overview because there's a lot of material in this chapter that you could break down into several different teachings. But I just wanted to do a very broad one tonight and focus on these, um, the motive behind uh, false piety. So calculate your actions. Think about what you're doing. In verse 1, Jesus is asking us to challenge our motives as to why we're doing something, even something that seems spiritual. Why are you doing that? Why are we doing it? And in this passage, in these 18 verses, Jesus addresses three acts of our Christian piety. Number one is giving, that's alms and charitable deeds. There's praying, it gives us the example of the Lord's Prayer and when you pray, how to pray, and all that, and fasting. And you don't hear a lot about that anymore. Well, it was when, I was, when I was a teenager, it was like we had church fasts all the time. And this is a spiritual discipline. You don't hear much about it, but it is a spiritual discipline that we are to incorporate into our uh, walk with the Lord. Christian piety or Christ-centered piety refers to the inward and outward states and acts that constitute a life of devotion chiefly to God. So when we pray, when we fast, when we give, the motive should be that we are doing this to please God, to bring honor and to glory to the Lord. That's why I give. That's why I pray. That's why I fast. Because not that it's going to make me some spiritual superstar, but that it's going to give glory and honor to God. In the Anglo-American evangelical tr tradition um, is Christ-centered in that it gives a life of devotion to God through interaction with Jesus Christ. Our devotion is to God. All Everything that we do is out of devotion. I don't know how many of you came up and uh, the big thing when I was uh, years ago was that you prayed an hour a day. And we had a little prayer clock telling people how to pray and, 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 do, and giving these things, but it was more like to make sure that we prayed our hour every day more than it was to say that we've actually doing this because we love God. He was telling, Jesus was telling us in this chapter that motive does matter. Take heed, be aware, be cautious of when you pray. Be cautious, be aware when you give, when you fast. Be aware, what are your motives? He was telling us that it does matter. If we practice giving, praying, and fasting with the emphasis to prove our spirituality, to gain the admiration of people, then we are hypocrites. That's what Jesus addressed here. When you give, don't make a big show out of it. Oh, look, I'm going to come up there and the pastor's preaching a good message and I'm going to come up and I'm going to write him a, a check for a $5 million and give it to everybody and let everybody see it. You know, get one of those big cutouts, take a picture with it. You know, look what I did. And don't make a big deal out of it. If, you wanna, if God moves on you, then follow the leading of the Lord. God is asking us to be sensitive to the Spirit's leading, attentive to the voice of of the Holy Spirit. We should be hearing what God's telling us. <clears throat> now, in Matthew chapter 6, the term father is used 10 times in verses 1 through 18. This tells us that 
these things, this experience that we have, this, re, this um, Christian walk that we have is a relational experience with God. God's not some so far off uh, deity, some far off um, elusive character out there. God is our Father. And as our Father, we have a relationship to build, not a religious experience to build. So that's what God is calling us to do. And Jesus was making sure that we understood that we do not seek to impress with outward actions of piety, but rather that, the, that they flow from a heart that is devoted to God. I, love, I give because I love God. I pray because I love God. I fast because I love God. Not because it's going to gain me any points, but because I love God and it's part of my relationship with him. So application is important. Oh, when you give, when you pray, when you... I, see, I, I played around with PowerPoint today. It was the first time I've ever done anything like that. I thought, oh, I can put arrows in there. <laughs> so when you pray, when you give, when you give, when you pray, when you fast, make sure your motive is correct. Next slide. Thank you, guys. Application. This is how we put it into action, how we live it out. How we do it is important. Now, I have a list of scriptures on the next slide, scripture references, and uh, you can jot these down. This is your homework for this week. School's in session, so you can jot these down. It's going to take you, what, 15 minutes maybe to read this? Read these, chap read these verses, these scripture references, <clears throat> on the application of living for God, on the application of applying... Prayer, fasting, giving, these type of things. These are our scripture references. In Matthew, um, but I did want to draw your attention over to Isaiah chapter 58. Anybody got that? Uh, Isaiah 58. Pull out your Bible, pull out your electronic devices. I'm going to read it so you can, you can go follow along with me. Whoop. Somebody drop something. Yep. <clears throat> I'm going to skip down to verse 3. But you can read the whole chapter. The whole chapter is a really good chapter, and it deals with fasting in particular. In verse 3, it says, Why have we fasted, they say, and you, ha you have not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls, and you take no notice? In fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exploit all your labors. Indeed, you fast for strife and debate and to strike with the fist of wickedness that you, um, you will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. It is a fast that I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul. Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? See, the Lord was telling him, you guys are fasting and you're praying and you're doing all this religious stuff and then you're coming to me and you're saying, why aren't you doing anything? Because we've prayed, we've fasted. Prayer isn't about trying to get talk God into doing something he doesn't want to do. We get this image of God that when we go to prayer that he is some grumpy old man and we have to appease him some sort of way. So we pray, we fast, we give with the intention that God's going to do something for us. And that's the wrong motive. It's not the right motive. 
And sadly, there's a lot of Christianity that's ate up with this today. You know, you give and the Lord's going to give it back. Yeah, if, you, if you're donating and you're doing and you're blessing, but there are key elements, especially in the prosperity doctrine or prosperity message, that are ruining people's lives because it's not truth. It's not telling people, the, giving them the right motivation to seek God. They're seeking God for rewards. They're seeking God for the, the fishes and loaves. Like when Jesus went over across the Sea of Galilee and the people followed him, they didn't follow him because of the miracles he did. They wanted another free lunch. And there are people in church today, they're fasting, they're doing all this religious stuff because they need God to do something in their life. Okay, it's like a story I came across recently. There was a, a man that came and had a meeting with a pastor and, and told him, he said, look, I, I really need you to pray for me, pastor. I really got to get my life straight. And come to find out the guy had an affair. The affair, ha affair had been going on for a while and he got caught. So now that he's caught, he wants God to come in and God to fix it. So get back into church, do all this stuff. Gonna get right with God. I've worked in jail ministry. I've worked with people that were recovering from addiction. There are people that are involved in that. They're for the sole purpose to get out, to say, and once they get out, they go right back into it because it, was, it, was, it wasn't something that changed their life. It was something that they did for a reason to get the judge to grant them a pardon, the, God, the judge to go favorably on them. Everybody pray. Everybody pray and pray for this guy. He's, he's really doing well, you know, and he really needs God to come in. Well, now I, I understand that he needs God, but God's not going to erase the fact that you broke the law. All right? Man, it's just quiet. <laughs> It doesn't go away. You still have to pay the penalty of the law. And man, I didn't get up. They didn't give, they didn't give me a suspended sentence. I got the maximum. You broke the law. Own it. You still have Jesus. Jesus will be with you there for the next 15 to 20. All right? Amen. <laughs> Make yourself a bottle set. Show that God is going to work in your life. Not because you want a reward. And then in Isaiah chapter 58, going down to verse 6, it's not, is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out, when you see the naked that you cover him, and, that, and, not, and not hide yourself from your own flesh? The Lord's telling us that the reason that we're fasting is not for our benefit. It's to keep us spiritually aligned to what God wants to do in this world to help the needy, to help the hungry, to help the homeless, to help those that are uh, in dire straits, to be a blessing, not because it gives me or does anything for me. Spiritual phonies are not a new thing. They've been around for a long time, but it seems like in Western Christianity, we've, we have perfected it. There's flamboyant, charismatic, demonstrative, theatrical, entertaining church today. And this thing of Christian celebrity, is, this is something that has really just been just, just getting under my skin lately. It's just the Christian celebrity thing. Oh, so-and-so goes to our church now. Movie star, rapper, recording artist, famous person. Oh, they go to our church now. So we want some sort of celebrity. 
And then I've seen these shows where these pastors come on and they interview them and they talk in circles and they never say anything that's going to be offensive or really make a stand on what the gospel says about who Jesus is. This, is, this, this concerns me. This concerns me that people have given up to style over substance. Style over substance. You know, if you were more, if you did cartwheels and did flips and had something dramatic or theatrical happen, you would get more people to follow you and you would, be, you would have bigger crowds. The, the goal here is not to build megachurches. The goal here is to establish the kingdom of God. And when you teach the word of God and people's lives reflect that teaching of the word of God and they live it down inside of them, then they automatically touch people. They bring people into a closer relationship with God. We're not looking for a passing fad. We're not looking for something that's going to be a flash in the pan. Oh, we went from zero to five million in two years. We're looking for what is God wanting to do with us. Our competition isn't the church across the street. The competition that the church has today is the media. It's the entertainment business. Those are the things that we are up against as a church. Not my brothers and sisters across the road, but those people in, that are influencing our society that are doing what we should be doing, being an influence to our world. And uh, the Pharisees in Jesus' day made piety a performance to, to show their spirituality, to say, hey, look, look at me. Look what I'm doing for God, loser. Can you pray as much as I do? Can you fast as much as I do? Do you give as much as I do? Yeah, I'm God's man. Look at me. And in Luke chapter 18, I want to read this. You can turn there if you want to. In Luke chapter 18, Verses 9 through 14. And he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. That trusted in themselves and despised others. The doors of the church should be open to everybody. All right? Everybody should be welcome in the house of God. We're not to predetermine, pre-screen. There shouldn't be a velvet rope out there and say, okay, you two can come. You other ones don't look like you would fit in here. Try down the street somewhere. But the, the velvet rope should open up wide to let everybody in. Everybody should hear the gospel. Everybody should be given an opportunity to respond to the gospel. I'm not saying that we condone everything, but the doors of the church should be open to anyone that wants to come in and hear the gospel. And then he says this, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. He prayed with himself. <clears throat> God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I thank you that I'm better than all those people out there. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but 
beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is what genuine prayer is about doing. It's not about boasting. Um, it's not about all the, the great things that God, look at what God, what, how great I am, look what I'm doing. I'm not supposed to be doing these things to show everybody how awesome I am. But I'm to do these things because they come out of a relationship with God. Paul stated that he had boasting rights, but those things were rubbish to him. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourself. It is a gift from God, not of works, lest any one should boast. And that's Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. We can't do anything to earn God's favor. We can't do anything that's going to give us brownie points with God. Well, if we're to practice our faith and not bring attention to ourselves, didn't it say in John or Matthew chapter 5, didn't Jesus say, let your light shine before men? that they'll see your good works and glorify God. And now he's telling us to do it in secret. See, that's where the Bible contradicts itself, man. <laughs> Nobody's asking these hard questions, man. <laughs> it's motive. Motive. How can this be? How can we do things in secret and yet let our light shine before men? Should we not pray in the restaurant? Oh, those people are going to watch us. We can't pray. Can't pray over our food. Somebody's going to watch and see us, and we're going to lose our blessing. So when people see me in public praying over my food at the restaurant, am I doing it so people can see me, or am I doing it because I'm grateful for what God's given me? Amen. When I tell people, when I help somebody, am I doing it because I want people to see me, bless someone, or is it because I want to help someone? Daniel, the Bible tells us that Daniel went and prayed three times every day. And when they passed the law so that he had to shut it down, he didn't stop what he was doing. Everybody knew he went to pray, but he wasn't making a show of it. This was his devotion to God that even in the face of persecution and death, he was still willing to do it. So it's our motive. How are we applying this to our lives? How are we doing this? What are we, what are we doing this for? Am I doing this to please God or am I doing it out of my, uh, uh, to, be, to draw attention to myself? Next slide. When you. Jesus said, when you, not if you. Say, so, okay. Here's a suggestion. You know, if, if you pray... It'd be cool if you did this. No, if, if you give, if, if you give, we don't want everybody to think that we're that church in town that's asking for all your money, but if you give, or if you fast, Jesus said, when you give, when you pray, when you fast. It wasn't a suggestion. Jesus believed when he made this statement... His, he believed that his followers would practice these things. He knew that we should be doing these things. He wanted to make clear that our motive and our intent and our application of these things was done correctly. 
When you give, don't make a show. Do it discreetly as God leads you. We don't need to have an applause for everybody that gave. And I'm just going to throw this out here because it's Pastor Appreciation Month. (laughs) Pastor Charles and Mary Jo have done nothing for me to ever question their integrity when it comes to the finances of this church. No, we don't put a bulletin out every week and tell you how much the offering was. We don't put out a bulletin every week and tell you how much the tithing was, the offerings were, where the money's going for this, where the money's going for that. Some people want to have a church where they have a lot of say, where they can vote on everything. My opinion is this, people vote every week and they vote with their feet. And if you believe or feel that Charles has done something that would warrant that. I, I, don't, I don't see it. They've never done anything, to, in my opinion, to warrant being uh, discredited or being dishonest with anything financial in this church. So it's not that when we're giving that we're giving to the man or we're giving to uh, the person. When you give a gift, you give it to God. And I've, I've done this as a pastor. When I was in Louisiana, we had a, a man come up to us and said, you know, I, I stopped my giving because, you know, I, I just didn't like some of the things that you were saying. Okay, is this hurting me? You're going to try to starve me out? You know, because we were drawing our salary from the church. We were full-time pastors. Are you going to starve us out? Are you going to starve my wife and kids out? You know, it wasn't that way. If you want to do it, fine. God's going to take care of me. But why are you giving? Are you giving it to me or are you giving it to God? Because once you give it to God, it's God's. It's not your responsibility to say, oh, well, you know, you know he's, you, you're going you're to have to tell me how you use that now. When you give a gift to somebody, do you go around and make sure that they're using it the way that you think they should be using it? You ever had given a gift to somebody and they took it back to the store and cashed it in for something else? <laughs> It's their gift. And when you give to God, it's God's. All right? So the best thing about I've learned over after, after 30 years of ministry, if I, I got a job now and I work for a good company, I've got great insurance, and it's liberating to be able to say what I want to say and not be worried about hurting anybody's feelings where they don't come back. <laughs> Charles has got a mattress business. You know, he's, he's supporting himself and his family, and it, it's liberating. So, but when you give a gift to God, it is a gift to God. And if that person is not using those finances correctly, then they're going to answer to God for it. But don't hurt yourself because of what somebody else is doing. Once the, leave, the gift leaves your hands, It belongs to God, and what the recipient does is irrelevant. Did you give it to God or not? And when you pray, do it discreetly. Don't make a show of it. And when you pray, say, Father. God is our Father. We're talking to our dad. Speak to him like you would speak to your dad. Do Do you time your conversation with your parent? Okay, Mom. I got an hour to talk to you today. 
You know, remember, yeah, I don't know, if, we came up with that teaching. Could you not pray one hour? So we would have our prayer time. We'd have to pray an hour every day, usually at 6.30, because God hears better early in the morning. <laughs> but on the other side of the world, it's not 6.30. <laughs> and you're thinking, okay, yeah. and we got these little aids to help us. Okay, for the next minute, I'm going to pray about this. And blah, 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 blah. Whew, I prayed my hour. Whew, that was rough, getting through that. I had to think. I can't think of anything to say for an hour. How many of you just call your parent and sometimes you'll talk for ten or fifteen minutes? Did you talk to your parents? Sometimes you get on the phone and you'll talk for an hour. Sometimes two hours. Sometimes you go see your parent. You'll spend the whole day with them. God didn't give us a time frame. Oh man, I, I got to get my time in. I knew one guy that was a pastor. He said that you know. People are missing it because they should be praying two hours and 40 minutes every day, tithing their time. If I got a, how do you time your time? It's like, okay, with my wife, okay, we've got, we've got a, uh, an hour, uh, I got an hour to spend with you today. I got two hours and 40 minutes. You're, you're, the clock's ticking. <laughs> I don't want to go over my time. <laughs> You can't, you don't, you don't do it. When you fast, do it discreetly. I heard a pastor say one time, there's not one of you, and he was in the middle of one of those fiery sermons, you know, there's not a one of you that can outpray me. There's not a one of you that can outfast me. And I'm thinking, I didn't know this thing was a competition. I didn't know we were supposed to be competing to see who could pray the most and fast the most. Do it discreetly. I don't have to tell everybody I'm fasting. Oh, I pray and I fast. We used to have these evangelists come through and they would, you know, oh man, he prays and fasts for hours and days a week, you know, and he's walking like in this spiritual aura because of all his prayer and fasting. That's not where that comes from. It gets you closer to God, but it doesn't earn you any points. Doesn't make you any spiritual, more spiritual than anybody else. Doesn't give you any type of spiritual superiority. Hear me, giving, praying, and fasting are not merit badge activities. If you're practicing them in order to achieve some type of spirituality, you've missed it. Understand this, you will never, you will never, never give enough. You will never pray enough. You could never fast enough. Thank you, Lord, for that one. I like them donuts on Friday morning that weren't. <laughs> this is not a bragging rights. This is things staying connected to my Father. Amen? So when we pray, when we give, when we fast, make sure that our motive stays correct, that we're doing it to the Lord. Can you stand with me tonight? Tonight was just kind of an overview of the motive in our acts of piety. There's lots more material in the first 18 verses, and we'll keep some of that for another time. But um, thank you for the putting up with me tonight. <laughs> in giving, praying, and fasting, remember, keep it real. Keep it real. Whether it's five minutes a day talking to your father if you got an hour, you can give him an hour. But why limit it to just one, five, one conversation? Sometimes some people, my wife used to talk to her mom when her mother was living. They would talk several times a day. 
call. Her mom was, her mom was one of these people that call in, hey, how you doing? How's the kids? How's Dan's job? That was one thing. How's Dan's job? Always asked about how my job was. Okay, how everything going good? Okay, I'll talk to you later. Click. <laughs> but you talk to your parent. You, com- you communicate. So throughout your day, communicate with God. Don't make it a formal thing. This is you're talking to your father. Practice fasting. And that's, you know, it's not how many days you can go or weeks you can go, 30, 40 days. If you want to give up a meal a week, if you want to give up two meals a week, you want to go one day a week or once a month, do something that just keeps your flesh in that state of submission to God. And when you give, give cheerfully. God loves a cheerful giver.